Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Mark Thomas, the co-founder and CEO of Zen Sports. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. The Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by the Betfair Hub from Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you want expert articles from pro punters, from building automated models to betting psychology, check out the Betfair Hub. Betfair.com.au slash hub. Gamble responsibly. Today I'm joined by Mark Thomas, the co-founder and CEO of Zen Sports. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, Jake, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to be here. So just give us some background about you and how things developed and evolved uh, in your path towards Zen Sports. Yeah, well, it's been an interesting path. Uh, We originally started Zen Sports out uh, back in February of 2017. We launched under a completely different premise than what we are today. We were actually a meetup recreational sports app uh, helping connect people to meet up to play sports for money and for fun. And, uh, you know, we, we got some users, we got some people, you know, using the product and, you know, things were going, I guess, kind of okay is probably the best way to describe it. But it was pretty clear that it was going to be very difficult to build a venture back business on just, you know, people playing pool or tennis, um, you know, with brackets and software. And so we, you know, looked at the landscape in May of 2018. Uh, and the US, you know, uh, the, the Supreme Court struck down the uh, federal ban on sports betting, uh, PASPA, uh, at the time. And it was pretty clear that the uh, legalization of, of sports betting was going to take hold here in the U.S. And, of course, you know, continue to proliferate outside the U.S. where it's been legal for quite some time. And so we, we kind of talked with each other. Uh, I turned to my co-founder and said, hey, I think we should take the same peer-to-peer concept that we're using for uh, rec sports and apply this to sports betting. Um, so, you know, to have peer-to-peer sports betting with no need for a bookmaker involved, and um, also to use cryptocurrencies and blockchain to streamline the entire uh, process. Because uh, you know, when you really boil things down to uh, you know what the pain points uh, in the sports betting and gaming industry are, uh, it really comes down to to really kind of two things. One is just a general kind of uh, malaise towards traditional bookmakers uh, and everything that comes with them. And then also the funding piece, right? So, you know, using traditional fiat uh, for gaming and gambling and betting products is generally difficult. Uh, banks will often decline those transactions um, as a centralized institution. And even if they do approve them, uh, they often come with high fees, uh, long latency periods, and chargeback fraud. So we recognize that there'd be a better way to, to handle funding uh, and uh, the actual mechanics of the wagering. And so... Uh, in addition to the peer-to-peer betting piece, we we really wanted to take our passion for crypto, uh, cryptocurrencies, and blockchain, and apply that as well. And so that's we kind of look at ourselves as both things, uh, both the decentralized peer-to-peer marketplace for sports betting, uh, and also a fintech company. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting all the different pieces we touch, but they all fit in together really nicely. Tell me a bit more about that meeting with your co-founder and some of those discussions around that time. Were you mapping out a <laughs> A grand vision was it? You know, fifty states and and U.S. domination. Obviously, putting aside all the obstacles, potential obstacles that that may exist today. What was what was that time like? Well, uh, I will never actually forget the conversation back in May of 2018. Uh, we're, we're based here in the Bay Area uh, in California, and we were. Uh, I live in San Francisco, but we happened to be working in San Jose that day, and we were at a coffee shop, 
uh, in downtown San Jose, and I turned to my co-founder. We didn't have a lot of money left in the bank at this point, and um, you know, I knew what we were doing was not working, and we had to do something better. And I turned to my co-founder and literally said, "We need to do peer-to-peer sports betting using cryptocurrencies." <laughs> and he just looks at me like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, it was just like one of those kinds of, are you joking? Uh, where did this come from? And really it came from because I just maybe about half an hour before that got the, uh, you know, the the uh, news that the Supreme Court had struck down PASPA. And I was about six months into my uh, cryptocurrency day trading days. I started day trading cryptocurrency in December 2017. And I just knew there was um, a better application for crypto beyond just speculating and trading it. And I knew like this was going to take hold, like I, I said before, um, you know, in the U.S. on the sports betting side. And I knew what we were doing wasn't working. So I said, look, we got it. We got it. Dude, we got to change this. So he was super skeptical. But, um, you know, we were able to go out and quickly raise about four hundred thousand dollars to um, to basically test out this idea, uh, this notion of it. And what it looked like uh, in 2018 um, was, hey, let's get this product built, okay? Um, and let's get this launch internationally first as a proving ground. And then we will go into the US at some point later on. So even though the US had just struck down PASPA, you know, it still at that time was only New Jersey and Nevada that had it legalized. And obviously since that time, you know, about 20 states have legalized it and more are set to come. But we, we weren't just like, okay, now we'll launch in the US. Like being a tech you know, entrepreneur and having worked in the tech industry for a long time, you got to have product market fit first, or you're just going to fall flat on your face. So we launched a very early MVP of the app in September 2018. And then we launched the full blown version of it in March of 2019. And of course, have continued to iterate it on it since then and just make it, you know, super amazing, robust and deep of functionality and, and easy to use. Um, so launched March of 2019 internationally. And as you probably saw the news in August, we signed a deal with Strategic Gaming Management uh, to uh, uh, operate in Nevada. So we're going through the Nevada licensing process right now. Um, hope to have that done in the next six to eight months. And then we will be, we'll be in Nevada, hopefully in the spring. And we are working on several other states in the meantime. So you know, it took us a little while to get here, but we also think that coincided nicely with the states as they were ramping things up and getting things legalized. And we wanted to make sure that our product was top notch and, and, and really, you know, very scalable and very differentiated from what else is out there. And we're definitely at that place now. I mean, our product is ready to rock and roll and scale and grow and do all those good things. So uh, very, very excited for our future. Uh, but that was kind of the path that we took to get to this point. That seems like a pretty tight timeline, you know, talking about, we were talking about before February, 2017, then to, to May 14th, 2018, and then being able to go live, that seems like, you know, at least getting an MVP and then and ready to go internationally. What was allowing you to move so quickly? Well, great question. Uh, so just the fantastic team we had, and we did this all on two engineers. <laughs> um, we've certainly hired more engineers since that time. Um, but for, from 2017, early 2017, through, uh, I would say... Uh, up until about a year ago, uh, so October 2019, it was mostly just two engineers. So for about two and a half years, it was just two and a half engineers, one front end, one back end. And so we just worked our ass off. I mean, we just, uh, you know, worked 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, uh, cranked through things. Uh, and there's also something to be said for being small and nimble, too. You generally don't have a lot of bureaucracy there. But 
uh, yeah, we just, you know, worked our ass off to, to get to this point. And, uh, you know, since that time, of course, we've raised some funding and hired a few more engineers, but we're still pretty small. Uh, the engineering team is about four full-time, one part-time uh, right now. And so, yeah, we've just maximized resources. It's not my first startup, so I definitely, you know, have a foothold on uh, product management and what it takes to build a great product. Uh, so there's some of that, too. Uh, but just, you know, the amazing team that's uh, been here with us uh, since 2017, I uh, can't say enough about them. Tell me a bit more about just the average consumer and how they would uh, or how they should think about Zen Sports. Obviously, on a scale of those who are active on Orga or Wager or some of these platforms that are out there to, you know, sportsbet.io or Nitrogen Sports for those, you know, international through to, you know, Bet365 and DraftKings and FanDuel and Paddy Power, uh, all the way to someone who's never placed a bet and, and wouldn't have a clue. Where do you see yourself fitting or is that an evolution and how do you? Uh, think about you know those types of businesses and, and where you want to see yourself. Yeah, I lump our competitors into kind of three groups. Um, you've got the, of course, offline brick and mortar sports books uh, that theoretically we compete with, but for all intents and purposes, not really. Um, that's still one competitor group that uh, you can kind of say we semi compete with them. Um, like for example, I don't consider us competing with like Las Vegas casinos or sports books because people are going there for other reasons beyond just the sports betting. Um, even, even just other sports books that you might find, there's just people that, you know, want an in-person experience for travel, leisure, whatever it might be. Then you have kind of the old school, um, online internet bookmakers that you just mentioned. Uh, and you know, if you look at a few things there, one is a, they're traditional bookmakers. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of all some of the pain points that people experience with traditional bookmakers, uh, come into play there. And uh, then secondly, you know, from a technology perspective, you know, we're probably a little biased, but we like to think that our tech is, you know, really best in class and, you know, really got the latest UX, UI design, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and then thirdly, of course, on the cryptocurrency and blockchain side, they don't, they don't touch that at all for the most, for the most part. Um, and then I'd say there's a third of competitors, which are really kind of the newer upcoming uh, but still, you know, very, you know, uh, formidable uh, companies like the DraftKings and FanDuel's of the world that newer products haven't been around as long, but still been around for quite some time. So they have a, a great customer base, um, generally better tech. Um, they do some kind of peer to peer things like daily fantasy sports with DraftKings. But still, when it comes down to the bookmaking or sports betting part, they're still a traditional bookmaker in that regard. So, um, and then I guess there's a fourth group, which is you kind of touched on a few of the traditional, uh, sorry, a few of the, um, uh, yeah, I'd say traditional crypto projects like Augur um, and Wager and, and so forth, that they're true cryptocurrency projects. They're not really companies and products. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just simply mean that, you know, they've, they've created purely, purely, purely decentralized products that really don't have like any kind of front end to them except for what you know somebody may have uh, built open source and they're truly a hundred percent on the blockchain with no kind of centralized features and my general take there is is um, I don't think the world is quite ready for that extreme maybe eventually someday um, but right now um, the world kind of wants what I would consider to be semi decentralized which is what we are where you know we have a front end interface that we've built that's really clean and simple for consumers to dive in and get using but we've layered in the cryptocurrency and blockchain piece uh, behind the scenes that streamline a lot of the pain points. Um, but don't fully like, you know, you got to jailbreak your phone kind of thing to <laughs> to get your to use the product. I mean, we have 
you know, both a app in the app store um, and uh, uh, for iOS. And we have a Android APK app uh, that can be downloaded from our website. So I think there's a lot of benefits to the way that we're doing it, being semi-decentralized, getting kind of the best of both worlds uh, that true traditional crypto projects can't do and that uh, traditional bookmakers can't do either. Do you need to have a philosophy on bookmaking? Because, you know, some of those businesses you've mentioned have generally they might have different approaches, but given what you're doing, you may not necessarily need to be hard and fast on anything, but you've obviously watched the industry evolve here in the US over the last couple of years when it comes to expansion outside of Nevada and, and what's happening globally. Do you have a, a preference? And you mentioned before some some day trading. So I'm guessing you might lean at least slightly towards the uh, the peer-to-peer trading model generally, but what about when it comes to betting on sports or, or for the average fans and consumers out there? So that's, I think, kind of the other beauty of Zen Sports. So we have market makers in our product for sports betting, as well as uh, we do some of our own market making as well, too. Now, we don't do bookmaking. We don't set odds. We don't do that. But we will add liquidity to ensure that there is um, uh, enough liquidity out there. Um, and that, I think, is important in any kind of marketplace model. Um, you always want to make sure you have enough inventory, supply, um, et cetera. Otherwise, if you come to it, it's just going to be dearth of uh, inventory and then people are just going to leave, right? So I think the beauty of what we do is it's the best of both worlds. There's always plenty of inventory and liquidity for most any kind of bet that you'd want. Just like you get with a bookmaker at the same time, you can still create your own bets for if you don't see something that you like or you want to create something kind of obscure or just in general, you want to create your own bets with your own odds. And so I think giving people that flexibility and that choice is really uh, critical and as I think the future um, because you definitely want to make sure, I mean, it's kind of the 80, 20 rule, right? You know, 80% of people are going to be takers. They're going to, they're not going to create their own bets and that's fine. I mean, that's just, that's just, uh, the reality of the situation, but having that flexibility to allow people to do so is super attractive. I also think the fact that people feel like they're in a decentralized marketplace. So for example, like makers of bets in our system submit their own results and we have a, full penalty and reward system in place to ensure that all parties in the marketplace act in good faith. Like the fact that you know that that's how it operates and the fact that you know you can create your own bets and the fact that you can streamline the uh, funding piece and not have to deal with a centralized bank uh, or institution telling you you can or cannot do things. When you piece all of those things together, that becomes a really attractive product for consumers. And I believe that that's the future, like giving people choice while still giving them a, a legalized infrastructure and trustworthy in infrastructure to do things, that's really the, the future. So it shouldn't be black or white or all or nothing, which is what I feel like most of our competitors are. Um, it should be a, a gray or blended mix of options based on what each person's individual preferences are. Can you talk a little more about the uh, approach when it comes to crypto versus fiat, the benefits there? Obviously, anyone who's tried to deposit money in the US in the last... 18 months will probably be able to tell you, but tell me your thoughts on that area specifically. Yeah. So on the funding side of things, you know, I kind of touched on that before that there's just so many pain points when it comes to using fiat for just in general in life, forget gaming or, or whatnot. Um, but specifically, or even more so with gaming, you know, there's again, you know, I'd say what 40, 50% of, of banks will decline the transaction that you try to fund a gaming or betting account. 
uh, where they'll severely limit it. Like, you know, they'll put a cap of like 200 or $300 or $400 on it. So if you want to bet anything kind of reasonably meaningful, you, you can't. Um, even if they do approve the transaction, they're almost always going to charge hefty cash advance or other fees uh, for the privilege of doing so. Uh, from an operator perspective, I mean, the settlement on those transactions is anywhere from one to five days. So you in turn can't give the customer access to their funds in the betting app right away. So if it's half an hour before tip off of, you know, the NBA finals and you want to place a bet and you don't have any money in your account, well, you're not going to get enough. You're not going to be able to get the account funded in time to place a bet. I mean, and that just that that sucks. I mean, that, that should not be how it's, it is. And then, of course, you've got chargeback fraud. So customers that, you know, uh, authorize transactions into these betting products and then go back to their bank um, or in financial institution later on and uh, commit chargeback fraud, say it wasn't them when it really was. And then the operator is stuck dealing with trying to submit a, a dispute to get those funds. And that can take anywhere from 30 to 60 days. And oftentimes the bank will side on the, uh, will you know go on the side of the customer because again, they don't wanna be funding betting and gaming gambling products. So crypto gets rid of all of that, right? So there's no middleman. So a decentralized, you know, network of course of funding. Uh, the fees are fractions of what it would cost to use credit cards or debit cards or ACH or, or even wire transfers. Um, the settlement times are basically near instantaneous, and of course there's no chargebacks. All the transactions are immutable. So I mean, it's in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. Uh, now I actually think, I think that. Um, that crypto is actually going to start rapidly replacing even non-gaming payments. Uh, because if you look at stable coins, Tether, DAI, et cetera, um, they have all the benefits of the US dollar without all the problems that I just mentioned, right? And so, I, I mean, for example, like we built APIs around our payments uh, solutions. And I think that that is a huge opportunity for you know enterprise customers, even beyond just gaming, to look at that too. And then the last thing I'll say is rewards. So we built our own you know, sports token um, that is used for uh, uh, earning and redeeming rewards. And that just creates a more fun gamified experience for people um, as they can collect these tokens, use them and redeem them for uh, certain things and or, or cash them out or whatever it might be. Um, so I think when you look at the entire package of what crypto brings to the table in gaming, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. And I think the opportunity is huge. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's certainly some hurdles that exist. Even with your coin, is it a is your token a security or are you going down the utility path? Uh, so we have both a security token and yeah. we have a utility token. Um, so our security token uh, is truly just for investors that can be used, uh, you know, to obviously raise funding or whatever we might want to use that for on the on the investor side. And then our uh, and that was created back in December of 2018. And then our uh, utility token, sports, is a true utility token. And we have taken great pains to ensure that we keep our utility token I can status. Imagine, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we, we have never sold our utility token to investors. We've only sold it or given it to customers. Uh, we have a 20-page legal opinion that it's a, a true utility token. Uh, we never, even though the price can fluctuate, we never uh, talk about price. We don't talk about you know, ever, oh, buy this token now and get, you know, returns, nothing, nothing like that. In fact, we even go so far as if we see that kind of discussion happening, like in our Telegram or Discord channels, we warn people and then we ban them. Uh, and of course, we delete that because we, we are not, our, our, we've taken, like I said a minute ago, great pains to make sure our 
sports utility token is truly utility token. And we want to make sure that others recognize that as well, too. And um, at the same time, what's really cool is that we are starting to talk to other partners um, in the gaming and entertainment and even media and telecom industries about implementing our token into their rewards program. So we do want to expand the network and ecosystem for utility tokens so it can be used in even more places, um, but it is not a security and people should never you know, take hold of it with the, with the notion that they're going to generate returns on it. So does that mean you'll be on third party exchanges then so people can use it more broadly? It is. Uh, so currently we're listed on P2P B2B, which is an exchange out of Europe. Uh, we're looking at a couple of additional exchanges as well, too. And we actually built our own exchange within Zen Sports and launched that back in early February of this year. So you can actually buy, sell and trade sports tokens directly within Zen Sports. Uh, so for those that just want to do everything all in one place, we offer that. Um, and for those that uh, aren't using Zen Sports for betting or wagering, uh, if you want to trade it third party, you can do so. Can you tell me a little bit more about your Nevada experience so far? And I guess through the lens of how how are you being treated as a crypto forward, let's say, platform versus how you would like to be treated? Is there a divide there? Are you still seen as all oh, this new fancy fandangled decentralized blockchain thing that we don't know about? Or is it starting to become more of a normal thing? Because I'm sure many people have thought it would be a great idea to have a an alternative to typical fiat sports betting experience against a bookmaker. And I think we're trending in that direction in the US specifically, but you're actually doing it. So tell us about that experience and, and what you can share with the audience. So we just started the application process with the Nevada Gaming Control Board a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in fact, we're actually just submitting our application, should be going in this week. Um, we took about two to three weeks to get all the documents prepared. Uh, we've got an amazing legal team and law firm in Nevada uh, that is handling that. Uh, just to put this out there, my particular application, the first part of it uh, as a key stakeholder in the company was 74 pages long. Um, <laughs> asking basically everything I've ever done for the last 20 years. So uh, this process, and this is just the beginning. <laughs> so this process is not for the faint at heart. Um, they're definitely going to be prying into anything and everything that we've ever done as a company and anything and everything that I've ever done as an individual. Uh, same thing for our other key stakeholders in the company. And so it is a very, very lengthy and difficult process. Uh, it's going to take anywhere from six to eight months. But the good that's, that's the bad news. The good news is uh, once we have that, we're golden, right? And honestly, that is really looked at actually as the gold standard for the licensing process. And so for the other you know 20 or so states that have legalized sports betting, you know they're going to look at that the fact that we have a Nevada license and go, wow, okay, these guys, you know we need to take them seriously. And you know we I, I mean we, we actually are pretty hopeful we'll be able to piggyback off a lot of those a lot of the application uh, parts from the Nevada and use that for other states that we go into uh, because a lot of other states do look to Nevada uh, simply because the the uh, licensing process is so rigorous. In terms of how are they going to look at us, um, you know, doing peer-to-peer -peer in cryptocurrency? Um, <clears throat> good question. So peer-to-peer -peer is actually legal in Nevada. Uh, so I don't think there's, I don't foresee any issues with getting the peer-to-peer -peer tech piece approved. The one key thing there that they require is to have an operator on the hook uh, in case there's any mishaps or anything that goes wrong which is totally fine. We already have all that infrastructure built out because we escrow funds whenever you create a bet or whenever you accept a bet. And we already have the dispute system in place if there's ever an issue that comes up in our app. So there's not gonna be, there's, there's nothing new there that um, we need to worry about uh, in terms of if we need to 
quote unquote be on the hook for it, that's fine. I mean, we we already do that um, on the cryptocurrency side. So cryptocurrency wagering is not currently legal in Nevada. We are going to, of course, try to uh, get an exception uh, for what we're doing and to show them that there is a lot of benefits for consumers and, of course, for operators to be able to do that. Um, it is a bit unknown if they will uh, approve that or not. We do accept fiat. So as well, it is just a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what we do, uh, like less than 1% of the funding uh, is done via fiat in or out. But if we need to only have that, we will do so to get started. And then we hope over time that we can you know, convince them to allow us to use the, the cryptocurrency piece. Um, but it's, uh, that part is to be determined, uh, but we're hopeful. Uh, we're hopeful. Um, and uh, so we're, uh, we're going to be as aggressive as we can in that and uh, see if we can get, show them the benefits. I mean, I think that's really the important part, right? Uh, and we're, that's the other reason why we're doing everything by the book. I mean, you know, in terms of our like utility token, in terms of all the legalization that we have and licenses, all that kind of stuff. We just, we do everything by the book so that we, you know, uh, so that we have credibility. And so that when we do have asks like this, you know, to, for example, ask uh, the Nevada Game Control Board to allow us to use crypto, uh, we hope that they look at us uh, with a positive lens uh, because we are doing everything else right. Can you run through what your plan looks like if it's been developed to this point with respect to just the typical challenges with this model uh, being, you know, the order flow, trying to get the liquidity there. You've talked a little bit about it already with market makers, but can you just dig into how you plan on solving that, whether it's from a Nevada point of view more broadly and, and just overall? Yeah, so I think the key thing here to understand is that um, liquidity is the most important piece, right? So um, having enough liquidity and inventory is critical in order to be able to uh, not be a step below what a traditional bookmaker would offer. So you can only do all these extra things if you already also do what a bookmaker offers. So you can't, you can't say, oh, uh, we have a better product, but oh, by the way, you can't find bets for tonight's NBA or tomorrow's NBA Finals game, right? That just doesn't work. Um, they expect that everything else, customers are going to expect that everything else is on par uh, while still um, you know, basically you know, having the new features that we have. So that's super duper important. Um, so we've taken great pains to ensure from a market making perspective that there's enough liquidity at all times for all bet types, uh, for all sporting events that we offer. Uh, so that's huge. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the most important thing because if you do that, then all the other things that you add onto it, like the peer to peer, the crypto, the decentralized, uh, you know, bet results submission, those things end up, you know, really being big, delightful moments for the customer and anything that, um, they would go, well, I don't get blah, blah, blah with Zen Sports. They can't say that. They, they definitely get all that. So it's important to be um, whatever anybody else is doing, plus, plus, plus. In other words, whatever anyone else is doing is table stakes. You got to have that. And then anything else you layer on top of that can be your big differentiator and value add. Have you had the luxury to think about what a successful first year in Nevada might look like? Or are you just head down and, and you'll get to that later? Well... <clears throat> what's great is Nevada's the largest, right? So Nevada had about 5.3 billion in handle last year, uh, about of which half of which was on mobile. And of course that number is continuing to grow in scale. 
So it's certainly the largest opportunity. And, um, you know, there's only a handful of, of mobile products there. I think there's 13 or 14. So we'll be, you know, one of 14 or 15 that are there. And that's no trivial, you know, feat. And so, you know, when you, you know, just kind of do the math, right, 5.3 billion divided by 15 or whatever it might be, that's a, that's a lot of handle per, per, uh, per operator and thus a lot of, you know, revenue opportunity. Uh, so, you know, just from a, an opportunity standpoint for us, it's really exciting in terms of the mechanics and execution of that. So, you know, we certainly want to grab as much market share as possible in the first year and obviously, you know, continuing that after that. We don't have the specific marketing plan in place of what that looks like. I and mean, we've got quite a few uh, whiteboard ideas of what we're going to do uh, once we hit the ground running there. Uh, one thing in Nevada is you do have to take registrations in person. Uh, so we will be we will have a, a very expanded footprint throughout the state of different locations where people can register to uh, get the Zen Sports app uh, and to well not to get the app but to sign up for the Zen Sports app after they download it, um, and so that we can meet that registration requirement. Um, and so that is that's a critical piece of it is is boots on the ground uh, as many locations as possible. So that's the first thing that we're working on. We're and we're doing some of that right now. We're getting like leases signed with existing sports books uh, to be able to go in there into those sports books and kind of take over their sports book, if you will, and uh, offer uh, registration for Zen Sports throughout the state. Um, and then from there, it's just, you know, a lot of different marketing tactics and we haven't yet uh, hashed out all of those, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely about moving as fast as possible for sure. Are there any areas you're worried about in terms of solving? Obviously we've talked about, you know, the product, the transfer of funds part, you know, the price of bets even, you know, we've sort of briefly touched around the edges on that. Marketing, there's obviously a lot of things that go into it. Even in-person registration is, is a barrier that exists for the industry right now. Are there any things that you're thinking through, you know, in your mind, at least at this point, pre-launch that you want to try and solve before you get to market? Well, look, I mean, we, as I mentioned before, have a very scalable, robust product. We do a lot uh, beyond just the peer-to-peer betting and the crypto piece. We also do actually, um, you know, offer still the tournament features, as I mentioned before. Uh, so, for example, we've started hosting some of our own esports tournaments. Um, we're starting to add a lot more content uh, to our app as well. Uh, for those that may not want to bet that day, they can still come into our app and get some value out of it. So I think it's important to continue to, you know, make the product really robust, um, you know, make it uh, just a place that people want to come to. We, we, we are technology folks at heart. Right. And that's in our DNA. <clears throat> so it's really important for us to make sure that everything from a product standpoint, uh, beautiful, clean, simple, robust, um, you know, heading into our expansion to the U.S. I would say, yeah, marketing is always a challenge. You know, anytime you're trying to market to consumers, that's something that you really have to think through. Um, we've got some creative kind of ideas that we're going to hopefully um, launch as part of what we do. Um, but I do think what's interesting is, I guess this is kind of an interesting little nugget. I think that customers are a lot more loyal and sticky to the products that they use more than people, uh, even operators might believe. So, you know, and, and we see that with our own product, like the loyalty and engagement, especially with the crypto piece is through the roof. So maybe that might just be unique to us, um, because we have the cryptocurrency piece that keeps people coming back. Um, but I think in general, I think that's kind of true industry-wide if you treat your customers well and if you have a great product. And then obviously the rewards piece is kind of the icing on the cake. So I, I think, of course, you know, there's always the challenges of growing and scaling any kind of business. The regulatory piece is just one 
of those hurdles that you have to get through in order to then grow into a big business. But I think we're really well positioned just given our existing product, how we think about product. And also, um, you know, the rewards that we've implemented that are differentiated. And of course, our peer to peer, which is differentiated and our loyalty, which is, you know, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the typical challenges that any company would face. Um, but, you know, as, as any good entrepreneur would tell you, we're, we're excited to face those challenges. So uh, um, so they're there. But, yeah, I mean, we definitely you know welcome them and embrace them. It does sound like to me that you are set up for, if you wanted to, to go more broadly than just a sports betting transaction, let's say, or some gaming transaction. And you talked a bit before about uh, the APIs. And, and I think in a, in a future world with open API access through different companies and, and different audiences being engaged you know, on different platforms, let's say, whether it is um, you know, people talk about affiliates or even beyond that to broadcasters, to social media, whatever it might be, what world do you envision? Because I think, you know, just hearing you speak about esports and open APIs and, and product and technology focused and all these types of things, thinking more broadly beyond Nevada and addressing a bigger audience, it seems like there is a, a bigger entertainment play here more than just um, some of the specific transactional nature of, of gaming. 100% agree. And that actually is our philosophy and that is our mission um, is to change the world of, of really any kind of gaming and entertainment. And so as you touched on and I touched on, uh, we have built APIs around our payment solution, around our cryptocurrency payment solution. So we have AP, we have an API, uh, it's called our payments API, that allows any company, not just us, to uh, accept and manage uh, stable coins like Tether, uh, uh, accept and manage Bitcoin, of course, accept and manage our sports token, um, and so forth. So we really feel excited about that. In fact, we're actually talking to some pretty large enterprise companies right now in the gaming and media and telecom space about integrating our payments API into their solutions. I mean, why are you accepting credit cards when there are stablecoin versions of crypto out there that have a fraction of the fee of credit cards, uh, no settlement time, um, no chargebacks, um, and no intermediary getting in the way? I mean, it's just, it's a no-brainer, right? But it's not really a no-brainer because otherwise the entire world would be doing it. So, um, the reason why that's the case is because, you know, I don't believe there's been the types of products out there to help make it easy for businesses or enterprises to accept cryptocurrencies easily. And we're hoping, we're hoping to do that. So we built APIs around cryptocurrency uh, payments. Uh, we, of course, have integrated those into Zen Sports. Um, and we are now talking about broader applications of that uh, to other large businesses in, the, in those industries. And then you talk about esports and totally agree with you there that, there's big, big, big opportunities. Um, you know, up to this point, I think esports has been very kind of an immature market. I mean, obviously, there's professional teams, leagues, tournaments, et cetera. But I think from a, a broadcasting perspective, you know, it's basically Twitch and nothing else. I also think on the betting side, um, it's still a very, very immature market. And what I mean by that is, is um, you know, let's say you want to bet on a Dota 2 match or something like that. And the game starts at, or the match starts at two o'clock. Well, it, sometimes the tournament will start an hour or two early, um, just because everyone's ready to go, or or whatever other reason. It's like, no, you can't do that. If you've got people betting on it, <laughs> you got to start at the time you say you're going to start. I mean, you can start later, that's okay, but you can't start early. People want to, people are trying to bet on it, uh, and so things like that. That you know, you don't get that with the NBA or the NFL or you know, Bundesliga stuff like that, right? Because they recognize all the moving pieces, the broadcast, the betting, 
um, et cetera. And I, esports isn't there yet. So we're hoping to kind of bring some of that. We're hosting our own esports tournaments, which you can bet on. Uh, we, of course, offer esports betting. We have about six different leagues right now for betting. Uh, CSGO, uh, League of Legends, uh, Overwatch, Dota 2, FIFA, and um, Rainbow Six Siege. And we're going to be adding some more later. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely an immature market right now. But the opportunity is, again, huge. And so we hope we can facilitate a lot of that, both with our betting and hosting of tournaments in or out. Is there a, an element of this that you need, you know, like a rising tide will lift, you know, all the boats? And when I say uh, boats, I mean companies like Coinbase. And we talked about Augur before and even Cash App and other payment methods. It becomes more ubiquitous that you see more than just fiat included there. Is there some of that that if the overall ecosystem uh, and aspects of the ecosystem that directly relate specifically to Zen Sports, there will be that that massive rise at some point? Well, look, I think the regulatory piece is huge, right? So the the legalization here in the US is not a trivial matter. I mean that is that was that was a huge rising tide that lifted a lot of boats in the industry. Um, now obviously the rest of the world has had legalized sports betting for quite some time, but even some other countries that have not had legalized sports betting are starting to go, whoa, there's a <laughs> there's a big tax and other financial uh, economic opportunity here. We need to get we need to get on this train. So the taboo nature that sports betting has kind of always had, especially in this country in the US, is starting to go away, which is awesome, as it should have probably a long time ago, but better late than never. And so I think that's a big, big, big rising tide. Um, because without that, you just don't, I mean, you can't do anything, right? Uh, now, I think it could be taken a step further and specifically here in the U.S. be legalized at the federal level because PASPA, when that was struck down, did not legalize it at the federal level, despite what some people think. That just told states that they can go legalize it, which, of course, like about 20 states have. And, and then each state has come up with their own licensing process. And that's just a pain. So that would be like the next evolution on the regulatory side of things. So that's one piece. Um, obviously, I think, you know, just, of course, the fact that everyone nowadays has smartphones and the proliferation of uh, smartphone technology, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, you can bet from your phone anywhere on the go uh, is critical. And that's why we are actually a mobile, you know, mobile app only product. We will build a web product at some point, but um, that'll probably come next year. Uh, so I think I think those two things are big. I think also maybe the last kind of piece is uh, on the in-game betting side. So just real, real, real time, uh, low latency or no no latency, I should say um transfer of data right because the last thing you want is somebody who's at the game can basically see something before somebody that's watching it on tv um you know and you need to reduce that latency so similar to uh equity trading exchanges right and how you know fiber optic cables and i'm not an expert in that area at all but you know those have basically eliminated the uh the lag time down to milliseconds right um so that people can get their trade in uh, uh on time and, and before anyone else that's what you need to see as well. I think that's kind of the final piece of that uh, as well too. Yeah, definitely. And one last topic I want to get your thoughts on is just the the crypto and the blockchain and gambling space in the US at the moment because I'm sure there's people who will probably listen to this who will think that, you know, you're 25 years ahead of your time, Mark, and you're crazy. You know, I'm happy to uh, do what I'm doing now and you're miles away. And others might say, no, no, this is actually the now and it's happening already. And if you don't think that, you're too late. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Who knows? But what's the, the the industry like? The space like? Are you one of you know six or seven people doing this, or are there uh, you know plenty of brethren out there who are attacking this area, this industry, and you will expect that it'll be one of the you know the hottest things in the next decade? 
Uh, I expect it to be one of the hottest things in the next decade because of the legalization and the la- and the removal of the taboo status, especially in the U.S. Um, millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z, they don't want Big Brother telling them what they can and cannot do. If they want to bet on sports, they're going to bet on sports. And they want to bet on sports. And it's very clear that they do. And they find it ridiculous that um, the government's telling them they can't. It's an accepted worldwide activity. There's nothing nefarious about it. Yes, it does obviously have its roots you know, in some of the mafia, uh, you know, days back in the 1950s and 60s, which is the the reason why the Wire Act even came about in the U.S. is because of, you know, mob-related, um, you know, sports betting. But those days are long, long, long gone. Um, and, you know, it's legalized. Um, if other forms of gaming can be legalized, like casinos and lotteries and stuff like that, the fact that sports betting cannot be legalized is, is just absolute utter nonsense. In fact, you could make a very, very strong argument, which I blogged about before, that sports betting is skill-based. I mean, it's, it's skill-based. It's, it's just as skill-based as daily fantasy sports is. It's just as skill-based as trading uh, securities or equities or cryptocurrencies are. And so there's no reason at all uh, that, it can't, that it shouldn't be legalized. And so you're going to see very, very fast movement for the rest of the legalization. Um, however, that being said, it doesn't mean there are a thousand startups uh, or people looking to build this product. It's a very difficult product to build, as you noted, and you asked about the beginning. Wow, how did you guys build it on you know such limited resources? And it's just because you know we just again, like I said, worked our ass off. It is a very difficult product to build. So there's a lot of IP around the actual product, and quite frankly, by the time anybody else tries to you know build what we built, uh, we'll be 24 months ahead of them. Uh, so we feel like there's an, a, a competitive advantage in that too. Now, of course, there's existing incumbents. And products like DraftKings and FanDuel um, and William Hill, et cetera, uh, that you know have products ready to go um, and are growing and scaling and uh, you know go, going into all the new markets and states, et cetera. But um, again, we feel our product is differentiated, and so there's a big opportunity for us to to become a very big company um, and do things in a unique way that we feel customers want. So I think when you put all those things together, I think we Zen Sports are positioned really well, and I think consumers are are going to be in for uh, a treat and are going to be delighted at what comes about from a product perspective uh, as well as a legalization perspective. What do you tell people who reach out to you who might enjoy crypto, who enjoy betting and gaming, uh, whether it's you know sports betting or, or other forms of gaming? Is there a way into this industry? Is there a path for them? Or are they you know, going to have to look at other opportunities and, and go in sideways? Well, as an entrepreneur, I encourage everyone to live out their dreams uh, if they're looking to build any kind of company, even if that means that they're going to be competitive to us. Um, I, by all means, you know, encourage them uh, to do what they feel is best. But like I said a minute ago, um, it is a very, very rigorous path from a product and technology standpoint to build, like, for example, like what we built. And I mean, you know, again, not to badmouth uh, some of the other kind of quote unquote crypto projects, but when you just stack up the product side by side, side you know we we really don't believe that anybody can hold a candle to us and uh i think that show that is because we have taken the time to really nail down that product experience and there's it's not perfect by any stretch I mean, we've got a lot of things that we work on but you know we do like bi-weekly sprint cycles and release new features and iterations and bug fixes every couple of weeks you know we're an agile company we move quickly uh, uh you know to to build out things um so i, I think from that standpoint um, it's not like building a chat app, right? If you want to build a clone of, uh, of, of WhatsApp, you can probably do that in about a month. Uh, even a clone of Twitter, you can probably do that in two months. 
Um, but building out this, it's just got so many moving pieces. It's it's tough. So look, I, I would say, you know, and, and this is something I've learned. This is my fourth technology company. And, you know, I've obviously learned a lot over the last 12 years. I think it's really important because I've, I've built products that um, already have a lot of competition in them in the past. I think it's really important to look at the competition when you're first looking to build something and say, hey, can we get to a 10x better product than they have in 12 months time? And can we get to some reasonable proof of concept, not proof of concept, but some reasonable product market fit within 24 months time? If I can, then you should, you should do it. If you can't, then you probably want to look at doing something else. And we felt for sure that we could. And this was back in May 2018. And, and we certainly have done so. So I think those are the questions you should ask yourself if you're looking to build something um, in, a, in a space like this uh, or in any space is, you know, what does the competition look like? How quickly can we get a product to market? How quickly can we get product market fit? Um, and you know, if we can't do that in that 12 and 24 month timeline, respectively, that I just mentioned, I think it's probably best to look at a different industry. So just finally, before I let you go, tell me what the experience is for those who want to download the app now, depending on where they are, whether they're in Nevada, New Jersey, or Africa, and how can they follow along? Is, is Twitter the best way? Obviously, your podcast, what you're doing, your blog is a great resource uh, for people to be directed to, but just tell me those two two items. Yeah, so we are a mobile app only, so you can download our app from the App Store if you're on iOS. Uh, Google does not allow uh, gambling apps to be in the Play Store, so if you're on Google, if you're on Android, uh, you'll need to download our Android app from our website, um, and our website's zensports.com. And if you're searching for the app in the App Store, it's just zensports, all one word. Uh, yep, our blog is awesome. Uh, we have really beefed that up and provided a lot of amazing content um, over the past couple of months. So you can just go to zensports.com forward slash blog for that. And I really encourage everyone to join our Telegram group. Um, I, I think that's a, a great way to chat. Um, obviously, Twitter's great. We're at Zensports. Very easy to find us on Twitter. Um, but Telegram is uh, the Zensports. Um, so for those that want to chat with us in our Telegram group, I think that's a great place as well. So yeah, I think you know on the content side, we're producing a lot of cool content, and obviously we make it easy to download the app, so uh, people can download it from our website or from the App Store. Great, Mark. I very much appreciate your time. There's been a lot of consolidation in Nevada over the last six to twelve months, and people talking about that. It's nice to talk about the evolution of Nevada and in sports betting and gaming there, and you're certainly on that list. So I do wish you well, and hopefully you can get out there and and start betting on the app. Thanks again for your time and coming on the show. Thanks so much, Jake, for having me. Appreciate it.